I'm Emma. And I'm Wyatt. And this is Frederick Uncut. Where we talk about what you're curious about across the county with a new episode out every Tuesday. This week on Frederick Uncut, over 100 cases of measles have been confirmed since the start of the year, with large clusters in the Pacific Northwest. Anti-vaccination movements and non-medical refusals to vaccinate are on the rise, but fear of the recent outbreak may be renewing a nationwide emphasis on the importance of vaccinating children. In Maryland, there have been no reported cases of measles this year, but as flu season peaks, Wyatt gave local experts a call to learn more. So, Emma, we've seen in the news this outbreak of measles in Washington state, and there's also been reported cases in several other states, including Texas, Oregon, and New York. Right, 10 other states so far this year. Yeah, and we wanted to learn a little bit more about why this sort of misinformation is happening with people avoiding vaccines, as well as the importance of immunization, one for people who can receive uh, vaccines. And then there's also groups of people who literally can't, and they're at risk when populations are not vaccinating uh, children and other people. So we're going to start off talking to a man from the Maryland State Department of Health, Kurt Situ, who oversees the immunization center there, sort of about the importance of vaccinations. And then we're going to transition to talking to our health reporter here at the News Post, Heather Mangiulio, about the flu vaccine, because we are in peak flu season right now, and sort of the importance of that. Uh, so I guess maybe the best place to start is, can you talk a little bit about your work and what the, the center does? Sure. So the Center for Immunization is a center here at the Maryland Department of Health. And what we are responsible for is kind of overseeing uh, a number of different immunization and vaccination initiatives. Uh, one thing that we um, run here is the Vaccines for Children's program, which is a federally uh, funded entitlement program where children that meet certain eligibility criteria can receive vaccines for free. And what we do here at the department is that we uh, provide those vaccines to different um, enrolled providers throughout the state. And so they in turn go ahead and administer these vaccines uh, to those kids that meet certain eligibility criteria. Another program that we have here at the center is our immunization registry. So it's an online uh, database of immunizations where uh, we record immunizations. And if anybody ever needs a um, an immunization record for, a, say, for example, for school, uh, for a job, uh, we can look in our immunization registry and provide that information if it's in there. And then we have a number of other things. We have uh, some epidemiologists that work in the group that uh, follow up on any vaccine preventable diseases. And then we also have health educators that uh, help to promote immunizations throughout the state. Okay. And maybe could you talk a little bit about why you sort of promote immunization for any and all people? Of course. I mean, vaccinations are probably the best way to protect uh, protect against uh, any of these vaccine-preventable diseases. Uh, vaccines have been uh, shown to be very safe and effective, and so we want to make sure that uh, we protect against any of these preventable diseases uh, that may occur in the state. Now, I don't have children, but it's sort of my understanding that with vaccinations, you're not only protecting your own children, but you're sort of helping uh, the larger community. One term that comes up a lot is herd immunity, and could you sort of walk us through what, what that means? Sure, sure. Uh, so herd immunity is a concept where um, you want to vaccinate as many people as you can so that those people that cannot get vaccinated, for instance, uh, you have babies that are, are too young to get vaccinated. You may have some people that are um, medically unable to get vaccinated. So by vaccinating 
as many people as you can that surround those people, you in a sense protect them as well from any of these uh, preventable diseases uh, because the people around them won't get sick and then that in turn they will not uh, transmit it to these people that cannot get vaccinated. Okay, and beyond people that might have a disorder in terms of getting vaccinated, are there other groups that are at risk um, when, when people do not get vaccinated? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Are there other groups of people that are at risk when people choose not to vaccinate? I would say those are probably the, the two main ones, those that cannot get vaccinated because of an age, uh, prob- uh, not an age problem, but just that they're too young to get vaccinated or those that are medically un- unable to get vaccinated because of whatever medical condition they have. Those are the probably the two most important ones that we focus on. Okay. And I'm curious too, with the Center for Immunization, obviously you sort of promote the idea of immunization um, and vaccinating for these preventable diseases. And I'm curious with the sort of shifts and this sort of anti-vaccination movement, how does that change what you all do or does it change what you all do? It really doesn't change what we do. You know, a lot, a big portion of of what we do is, is education, and so we want to make sure that people are educated and that they can make a good decision about vaccination. Um, as I mentioned before, vaccines have been proven to be very safe, uh, and they're very effective, and therefore, you know, we promote that message and that people should get vaccinated against these preventable diseases because it is safe and it is effective. And there really isn't a reason, unless there you have some kind of a medical condition where you cannot get vaccinated, that um, there really isn't a good reason that you should not get vaccinated. And so, you know, I think we focus a lot of education, whether it's providers, whether it's the public, uh, just to make sure that people know the importance of vaccinations. And in providing that education, do you ever come across common misconceptions or things that you hear that you sort of need to dispel pretty regularly? I think there are always uh, misconceptions. You know, one of the things uh, with like flu vaccine, you know, you, there's a misconception that you people can get uh, the actual disease from the vaccine, when in fact that is not true. Uh, there are two types of flu vaccine. One of them is the inactivated vaccine, which is uh, made up of just different smaller portions of vaccine uh, of the flu virus. It's not um, the, flu, the whole flu virus, so therefore you cannot get uh, flu from the inactivated vaccine. And then there's also the nasal spray, which is uh, made up of a weakened virus that only replicates in the nose and the throat, and therefore it cannot cause um, you to get influenza from the vaccine itself. Okay, yeah, and sort of shifting to, to the flu vaccine in particular, uh, obviously we're sort of in the middle of the flu season. I'm curious how you sort of see the, the season playing out so far. Yeah, so, you know, looking at the flu season right now, um, as you know, last year was a pretty severe season. Uh, this, this year, it's not quite shaping up to be as severe as last year, so I think we're in good shape. Um, I haven't seen any estimates on, on vaccination coverage, uh, so I can't really uh, speak on that. But I, I think it, in terms of how the season's going, I think we're, you know, we're looking at a, a, a less severe season than it was last year. So uh, I think as long as people remember to get vaccinated, um, it's, it's, 
you know, we'll, we'll be in good shape. And, and it's not too late to get vaccinated right now. You know, we're still within the kind of the peak season for influenza. So, again, it's not too late to get vaccinated if you haven't been already. And when you talk about the the season, the season not being as severe as other seasons, what are some of the factors that contribute to a severe or dangerous flu season versus one like the one we're experiencing so far? Yeah, so I think, you know, if you take a look at last year's, uh, particularly among uh, pediatrics, there was a, a high number of pediatric deaths associated with the flu last year. Uh, I think it was around 180 deaths nationally in the pediatric population. And by pediatric, in terms of what CDC uses as surveillance, is anyone under the age of 18 years of age. And so last year, you know, we were, we were probably had about 180 uh, pediatric deaths throughout the U.S., whereas this year we're looking at uh, closer to 30 so far. Uh, so it's not anywhere near as high as it was last year. And so that's just one indicator that we use to kind of monitor how severe a season is. Okay. And also with your work with vaccines, I'm wondering what's sort of on the forefront of uh, vaccinations, if there are new diseases diseases that you all are looking into. I mean, it seems like a lot of these things that we're vaccinated for today have been cured for, for a while. And I'm curious what the sort of next move is for, for vaccinations. Yeah, it's interesting. You should bring that out. You know, uh, so you know, a lot of the vaccines that we do give, as you mentioned, you know, are ones that we don't typically see here in the United States anymore, although they are seen in other areas, uh, other countries. Uh, so we want to make sure that we continue to vaccinate here because of the fact that it is still circulating in other countries and there is a whole lot of international travel nowadays. Uh, so we want to make sure that we're still protected here. So those diseases which seem like they're not uh, circulating in the U.S., it's uh, it's it's very the reason is is that um, you know our vaccination rates have been so high here in the United States that a lot of these diseases cannot take off in terms of being an outbreak or anything like that um, and so in terms of like new diseases um, that we're looking at I I would say probably one of the newer ones that we're um, looking at in terms of vaccination is with the meningitis B vaccine. Um, now, that vaccine, uh, you may have heard, caused uh, a number of meningitis outbreaks at colleges and universities. Uh, so we want to make sure that people that may be starting uh, university or college next year or may be in university or college now, that they make sure that their meningitis B vaccine is up to date. Okay. Well, Mr. Situ, those were the main things that I had. Was there anything I did not ask about that's important that you'd like to touch on? No, I think you asked some very great questions. Uh, again, you know, I would just, you know, uh, really push the message out there that, you know, these vaccines are safe and effective. And, um, you know, if you're unsure of whether or not you are up to date on your vaccines, definitely check with your doctor uh, and make sure that you get caught up to date. Um, but other than that, you know, we we like to hear that people are, are interested in vaccines and, and we appreciate the time to talk with you. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. All right. Bye-bye. So Heather, you cover health and Fort Detrick for the Frederick News Post. Yes, I do. And I just got off the phone with Kurt Situ, um, who I know you've spoken to with some of your articles and you have written several pieces about flu and flu season in Maryland. So I'm wondering where are we at in flu season and what does that sort of mean? Okay, so last year uh, we were looked like flu flu peak season was about the end of January through February, kind of tail ending at the beginning of March. So based on that, it seems like we're probably in peak season. Um, 
when Emma and I wrote our article uh, two weeks ago, we were at a high activity of uh, influenza-like illnesses, or what most people would be like, I have the flu, um, and with a widespread uh, activity across Maryland. Um, this week, uh, which can, they comes out at the end of each week, so from up to February 2nd, it was actually low, but still widespread. So it's about the time where it's like you're going to see more people being like, I'm sick, I have the flu. Mm-hmm. And in terms of this peak when you see the most cases, why does it sort of happen at this time versus at the beginning of the season in November? Is there is any sort of your reporting paired out why that is? Um, from talking to different people, it sounds like you're with more people around. And it's um, the flu actually hits the southern hemisphere during their winter and then comes up here for our winter. So it must like cold stuff, but mm-hmm. you probably want to ask a doctor. And in some of the articles that you've written, you've talked about how the flu vaccine that's used is sort of based on what happens in, in the Southern Hemisphere. How does that work? So they see what kind of flu strains. There's multiple types of flu strains. So um, there is an A strain and a B strain. So the most common um, B strain is known as the Victoria strain. And there's been a couple cases of that in Maryland. Um, but then you have these type A strains. And that has to do with the um, chemical components and antibodies and proteins and a bunch of medical jargon that I'm not quite up to date on. But um, type A is one of the more common ones, and that's like your H1 um, variant. So H1N1, um, which I think was one of the flu sh- um, strains a couple years ago that everyone started freaking out about, um, that's a type A. Um, so when the flu hits the southern hemisphere, they're able to see all right what type of strains were the most popular, mm-hmm. um, who was getting the most sick, and from there they're able to try to come up with a vaccine that's going to account for those strains. Um, so the ones that were out this year were a trivalent and a quadvalent. So they had multiple type A's in them. And then I think some of them actually had that type B Victoria in it as well to protect you from it. So they're essentially kind of taking a guess at what they're going to be seeing this season. Yes. And that's what happened um, last year, which was why the flu was so bad is that there wasn't a good match with the vaccine. Um, I can't remember what strain it was, but there was a strain here that they hadn't protected for. So a lot of people had the flu shot, but they still got the flu, and it wasn't protected because that strain wasn't in the vaccine. Um, this year, it's a little, little too early to um, tell from what I've heard from most of my sources, but it does seem like it might be a better year. And obviously, our paper, we cover Frederick County, um, and some of the numbers you've been talking about are sort of statewide, how the flu season is playing out in the state of Maryland. And I know that in your work, you sort of try to narrow down what the flu looks like in Frederick County, and you've had some roadblocks with that? So I've had two roadblocks. Um, the first is that the state health department does not reveal where they're seeing cases. Um, there are certain reportable deaths, so pediatrics, um, I believe, are reportable. You might want to double check that. Um, <clears throat> and there's been 10 adult flu deaths, but they won't say where. Um, and when I've asked the spokesperson, it's because they don't want to give out identifying information. And despite Maryland being a relatively big state um, and the fact that it does take a couple hours to get across it. Um, they are worried that if they give out where this flu activity is, that they could identify people. So they will not give it out. On the other end, as I reached out to our local hospital to ask if they've seen flu cases, and they've told me that there is nothing to report at this time. Um, so I haven't heard anything from there. So it's a little bit harder to figure out, all right, is this a bad year for flu in Frederick County, or is it just a bad year for flu in Maryland? It's really just going on the state data and with um, Emma's story, we were actually able to figure out that some of the schools are getting affected because they're sending out notifications. So 
We are working as the flu season progresses to try to get a better idea of how Frederick County is affected, but right now it's mostly just how Maryland is. Right, so we don't know for sure what's happening in the county because choosing not to respond isn't saying, yes, we have cases, and it isn't saying, no, we do not have cases. No, but if someone wants to say, hey, I have the flu, want to email me and let me know, I can start doing my own little database. Absolutely. And also, uh, this came up this morning in the office, um, in terms of flu vaccines, what's a good prevalence in terms of the number of people that have flu vaccines? Um, well, <laughs> I have my flu vaccine. I believe you finally revealed that you have your flu vaccine. I, I was vaccinated. Um, our editor has his vaccine. Uh, and that is about it. Um, to my dismay, our former health reporter, Kate, doesn't even have her vaccine. Um, oh, someone on our copy desk doesn't have his vaccine. I went on like a five-minute tirade about today about how no one in the office has their flipping vaccines. Including a snarky inter-office email. So it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, and I brought cookies for the uh, staff because it's Valentine's Day. Um, and when I realized that no one had gotten their vaccine, I determined that I should send an email being like, you can't get a cookie unless you've gotten your vaccine. And also here's the CDC uh, flu shot finder so that you can get your uh, flu vaccine. Because I was hearing from people, well, I just haven't had time um, or I haven't, uh, I don't know where to go. So I figured I would, as the health reporter, help the people on the Frederick News uh, Post to find out where they should get their flu vaccines. Um, of course, most people had already had the cookies already and they still didn't care about the email and also just ate the cookies but you should get your vaccines you should get your flu vaccine you should get your other vaccines as well vaccines are good and there was one person on our staff our editor for this podcast who went out to get his flu vaccine whether it was motivated by the love for his children or the love of cookies we'll leave that open for interpretation but our editor graham did go and get his vaccine just down the street from our office. And to prove how painless the entire process was, we sent him out with a recorder to document his entire experience, which I think was relatively short. Hey, good morning. Hello. Thank you. So, um, I'm Carrie. Um, Graham. Nice to meet you too. Are we going to your insurance for this? Uh, yes. If I can see insurance card and a driver's license, please. Okay. Now, have you ever received a flu vaccine? I have. Before? Okay. And no previous problems with it at all? Nope. Have you ever fainted when receiving a vaccine in the no. past? All right, so this is what we say our vaccine information sheet. I'm going to have you just over it for me, please. I'm sure there's nothing on there that you have questions or concerns about. Okay. Now, unfortunately, this can, of course, leave your arm slightly sore. Okay. Um, with that being said, which arm would you like to receive your vaccine in? Hmm. Let's go with left. Okay. Are you right-handed? Yeah. Okay. So the one thing I do always tell everybody is clap your arm like a chicken. The more you use your arm today, the less achy it will end up being. That is usually the arm most people will opt for. On the off chance, it is a little tender. Okay. For some of the next day. Biggest thing I do like to warn people about the flu shot is several things. One, it is not a guarantee that it will protect you against the flu, unfortunately. Right. It is your best bet, uh, of course, from protecting against it. However, um, every year, it is an educated guess, but it is a guess. Um, this year so far, the CDC is telling us it is a very good match. Unfortunately, viruses are smart. They can mutate and anything can change. So okay. unfortunately, if at any point you do come down with anything that seems flu-like, do not hesitate to get yourself checked. Okay. Um, the next big comment I make is it does take two weeks for it to become completely active. So unfortunately, it, um, flu is widespread in Maryland right now. So if you would come across it, that would still put you at risk. 
For the next two weeks? For the next two weeks, yes. Okay. And some years are better than others, we know that. Last year, um, perfect example, we knew going into the flu season, we had suspicions it was not going to be a great year. Um, our flu shot is based on um, what comes out of the Southern Hemisphere. And Why is that? Because they have their flu season first. Uh, okay. So last year, uh, we knew last summer that Australia was having on record one of the worst flu seasons they had ever seen. So it wasn't a guarantee that we were gonna have that kind of or that kind of reaction or season. Um, but from a, an educated standpoint, it was concerning. Um, but the problem is the flu vaccine's produced in the spring, so it's sometimes if they notice mutations or changes, we still go with it. Other people's bodies also just don't create complete immunity to it. So um, I'll see family members who everybody got their flu shot, one person gets the flu, and the other three don't get the flu, and it's just sometimes bad luck as far as that goes. Gotcha. All right, I'm gonna have you Sit for me, please. Are we, I want to, all right, perfect. Thank you. All right. So number one rule, nice and relaxed. Just lift this up. Are you nice and relaxed? Good. I'm gonna clean the area. Think happy thoughts. <laughs> Give that a second to dry. And you are done. So, like I said, use your arm today. That will reduce any arm soreness tomorrow. Okay. But don't be too surprised if you do feel anything. Um, you cannot develop the flu from getting the flu vaccine. Common myth. Um, you, Like I said, your body can develop a, a normal reaction to it. And what that means is your body thinks it got the flu, but doesn't really get the flu. So low-grade fevers are not uncommon. It's your immune response responding. Okay. Um, if you get runny nose, congestion, cough, anything along those lines. Unfortunately, you picked up something somewhere along the lines, not from the flu vaccine itself. Gotcha. Unfortunately, from possibly being in a public location. Right, okay. right. So I do have to ask. Of course. Does it bother you from a professional standpoint when you come across people who have misconceptions about the flu and spread those misconceptions? Bother me would be a strong word. Does it discourage me? Yes. Um, I always tell people here, the one question we always ask is, have you received a flu vaccine? If not, are you interested in receiving a flu vaccine? Mm -hmm. I have many people who oftentimes will think, oh, I got the flu shot once, and or I've heard you can get the flu from a flu shot. That is why I always say, common myth, if you think that is the case. Um, but I've learned over time, unfortunately, I'm here to educate. If people are willing to listen, I am more than happy to do so. However, um, people with preconceived notions oftentimes are very difficult to persuade otherwise. So, what's your success rate for convincing someone who it, maybe has, who's never had it before, or has an aversion to having it? I would say 50-50. Okay. I think if people are open and willing to listen, then they're willing to listen. Um, but I think, unfortunately, people who have had bad experiences are always looking for a reason for that bad experience or who have heard of bad experiences. Mm -hmm. um, but I have plenty of people who, when I say, have you ever had a flu shot, who have said, no, I'm really not sure about it. And we go over everything and they say, you know what, let's do it. I've read about how bad the flu season was last year and I don't want to take that chance. Are you seeing that? Because flu yeah. season was really bad last year. Last year, it was actually, a, because it was such a bad, bad flu season, we had an incredibly late push in terms of um, desire for the flu vaccine. We saw higher numbers, I think, in February than I've ever seen as far as working with Minute Clinic has gone. Can't say that officially, it's just a, a personal observation. So what's the, what does that bell curve look like of people getting the flu shot? In most years, as far as it goes? I mm -hmm. mean, do you mean like peak, peak time for? Yeah, so like when do people start? 
So typically, so we'll get our flu vaccine in August and we'll start vaccinating immediately because the CDC has told us the sooner the better. Um, you're obviously less likely to get the flu if you are protected before you even come across the flu. Um, so we want to start before flu season even starts. But our peak season is probably October. We probably start to okay. kind of creep up in September. So I'm late. You're late. I'm pretty late. You okay. are pretty late. I will not lie. Um, once we start, I always call it Russian roulette. Once you start seeing the flu out there, you're kind of playing Russian roulette because, like I said, it takes two weeks to become fully active. So if you are coming across it, um, then chances are, unfortunately, and that's oftentimes I think where people get their their misconceptions. They well, come across it, and by the time they actually choose to get vaccinated, it's coincidental that in the meantime, perhaps they were sitting next to someone in the pharmacy um, who already had it. So then they do get it, but it's not from the flu vaccine. It's just bad luck. All right. Well, All thank right. you so much. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. Happy Valentine's Day. You too. So what we heard from Graham's trip, that was a pretty short. I think it was less than 25 minutes door to door. Um, and that was just down the street. And in terms of getting the flu shot, which people can and still should get, uh, where are some places that they can go, Heather? Um, so you can go to your CVS like Graham did. Um, I got mine at Safeway, which is a grocery store. So other grocery stores are offering them. Other pharmacies like Walgreens, um, you can get them. The CDC has a flu finder um, or flu shot finder. So you just go online. Um, you type in your zip code, and it'll show you where you can get your flu vaccine. Some doctor's offices still might have it. It is getting late in the season. But it is important that you still can get your flu shot. We are still in the time where you're going to see flu coming up. So it's better to get it as soon as possible because it does take some time to start working in your system. But if you haven't gotten it and because you are just haven't figured out where to go or you just haven't had time, I would encourage you to make that time, get your flu shot. A lot of times they give you like a coupon or something. I got 10% off my groceries for getting my flu shot. So if you have insurance, it's free and it's kind of paying you to get your flu shot. Perfect. Well, Heather, thank you very much for taking the time today. Thanks for having me and enjoy the cookies. This podcast was produced by Wyatt Massey, me, Emma Kerr, and Graham Cullen, and edited by Graham Cullen. See you next week.